Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Beyond the Valley. Hello and welcome to another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. I'm Arjun Karpal in Guangzhou, China. We are coming to the end of the year. Some of you might be listening to this in the new year. So I wanted to talk about a topic that is going to be pretty big in 2021. That is how the world deals with the growing power of large technology firms. Now, we can all agree that we rely heavily day-to-day on products and services from tech firms. I'm sat here in China, and a good example is the WeChat messaging app run by internet giant Tencent and used by over a billion people and ingrained into the daily life in China. There is a view that over the past few years, the world's technology companies, mainly from the US and China, have grown unencumbered into giants. And now China, Europe and the US are trying to figure out how to regulate these companies and stop them from becoming too big. Of course, there is a debate as to whether this has happened or not already. But China, the European Union and the US are approaching tech regulation differently and that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's start with China because what we have seen is certainly a gathering of momentum toward more comprehensive rules towards big technology firms. In the past, China has taken a sort of company-by-company or issue-by-issue based approach. An example of that was in 2018, regulators froze the approvals of new video games over fears they contained too much violence and could lead kids to having eye problems. Games need a green light from regulators to be released and monetized in China. Tencent, which makes a lot of money from games, was particularly hard hit by that move. Another example more recently is Ant Group. This is the company that's about a third owned by e-commerce giant Alibaba. It was gearing up for the world's biggest IPO in Shanghai and Hong Kong in November 2020. But the IPO was pulled after management was called in front of regulators. The Shanghai Stock Exchange said at the time that Ant Group had reported significant issues, such as the changes in financial technology regulatory environment. Indeed, the regulators in China are looking at introducing new regulation around so-called micro-lending, which is one of the main businesses of Ant Group. And China's market regulator has opened an investigation into Alibaba over monopolistic practices. The primary issue named was a practice that forces merchants to choose one of two platforms rather than being able to work with both. Here we can see sort of company or industry-specific regulation, but now Beijing is pushing towards much more widespread rules. In November 2020, China's market regulator, known as the State Administration for Market Regulation, published draft rules looking to stop monopolistic practices by internet platforms. And for the first time, it defined what it considered these platforms to be. And the definition certainly could include companies like Tencent, Alibaba, Baidu, Meituan, and others. This is one of the most wide-sweeping regulations proposed. So that's the background. To dig into this a bit more, I called up with Kendra Schaefer. She leads the tech advisory practice at Trivium, a research firm based in Beijing focusing on Chinese policy developments, economic trends, and politics. I started by asking why we are seeing this step up in focus from China on regulation. You know, I think in some respects, this heralds a new era for Chinese tech and data regulation, but I don't actually think it heralds a different approach uh, from from Chinese regulators. In fact, uh, you know, there's a lot of conversation about uh, whether or not China is doing this, uh, you know, in response to a Wild West situation in the tech space. 
uh, or whether this is a fundamentally different approach from Xi in terms of how they're planning on treating their tech champions. But we don't actually think that Chinese regulators are acting out of character here. So if you sort of put this into context, what do you think sort of has been the driving force for them sort of talking about new regulation, talking about antitrust laws, talking about some of the regulation around fintech as well? What's the motivation? You know, I tend to encourage people to take a, a much broader or longer view um, on some of these regulations. And in terms of, you know, in terms of the antitrust regulation, uh, and in terms of recent fintech regulations, I think that reflects a couple of different regulatory principles in the tech space in China. One of those principles is to run the leash long. What I mean by that is that Chinese regulators tend to follow a similar pattern when with new and emerging technologies. They watch the technology emerge, they sit back for a while and let the sector get a little bit messy, uh, they watch people mess up. They watch how companies start to push boundaries, uh, especially legally, and then bam, they come in and regulate all of a sudden, right? And every time this happens, uh, and it has happened many, many times in the last 20 years, but every time this happens, you know, there's this big kind of outcry, oh, China's cracking down, you know, China's cracking down. And in a sense, they are cracking down, but ultimately it, it, it represents quite a familiar, quite a familiar regulatory pattern. Um, and the second, the second kind of principle, I think these two most recent um, crack, crackdowns, if you will, represent is the fact that, you know, Chinese regulators put stability first. Innovation, yes, innovation, but stability, social stability, market stability before everything. In fact, I would maybe say that stability is the primary guiding principle for tech regulation in China. So innovation gets encouraged unless it threatens stability via even, even if um, quick growth might benefit China, right? An unstable or quick growth in the end might give China a leg up. Uh, if, if there's a threat of instability, China's going to pull, China's going to pull the brakes. Uh, and, and that's what we saw happen here with Ant Financial. And finally, I actually think that, and this is kind of interesting to me, um, Chinese regulators also tend to see the online world and regulate the online world um, as a mirror of the offline world, right? We, we can see that in China's take on digital uh, and internet sovereignty, right? We tend to picture, when we picture the internet, we picture this kind of empty blank space, a new frontier, something that is not of this earth, right? We can regulate it as something different. But in China... Uh, you know, there is this idea of an internet geography that follows the border of the Chinese nation, right? The, the borders of the Chinese internet stop at the borders of physical China. They also regulate uh, online activities the same way they regulate offline activities. So for example, live streamed e-commerce is regulated under advertising and run-of-the-mill com commercial laws. You know, when you see something like the fintech crackdown, right? This kind of kibosh that was put on on Ant Financial recently. You're seeing China regulate fintech the way they're regulating offline banks. They're tying a digital entity to a physical idea. 
That's great insight, actually, Kendra. And I would like to actually dig into a couple more points around that. So firstly, you know, this idea that, you know, we've seen sort of in the past, China sort of do these crackdowns on the tech sector. Something feels slightly different to me, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, in the past it seemed a bit bitty in a sense that they go after one specific area, say in micro-lending or payments or something like that. But with some of the more recent examples, it feels perhaps a little bit more robust, a little bit more mature, or perhaps a maturing in the way they're thinking about regulating some of the large technology companies. Is that, is that a fair assessment? I would say that's a fair assessment, but I would also say, yes, I would agree with you. I would say that things have definitely matured. Um, whereas before you would see regulation specifically focused on things like, uh, you know, digital you know, online national security issues or cybersecurity issues or online censorship, what you can and can't say online. Uh, this is a broader suite of regulations. But but what I really think we're seeing here is China, you know, underneath all of this stuff, I think China understands that if it's going to become a technological superpower, which which it has stated is one of its you know number one goals, if not its number one goal, um, uh, over the next over the next 20, 20 to 30 years then it has to lay a solid regulatory foundation. It has to lay that foundation uh, in the way that it regulates company operations, but it also has to lay that foundation in terms of data. In fact, data might be the most important regulations that it's got to lay down. So we're seeing draft data laws come out of China uh, right now, this big new suite of of data regulations, uh, which you know uh, don't constitute... Uh, which have also kind of resulted in in crackdowns in the data space in the over the last six months to a year. Um, but but all of these things are foundational, right? All of these things are foundational, and it's really kind of just setting a framework, uh, a springboard from from which China can can develop and move forward faster. Yeah, I think that's a great point because that really hits the heart of the geopolitical issue as well because obviously between the US and China, these tensions really right at the front of that has been the technology issue as well. And as you mentioned, China becoming a technological superpower is key. So partly here is this challenge as well, right? To balance regulation and regulating the tech sector with not hurting their tech champions that are important to their ambitions as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, I think you and I talked earlier and I kind of mentioned this, but, you know, Washington and Beijing, this is a, an area where they actually have quite a lot in common, right? Beijing and Washington both have this love-hate relationship with their with their tech champions, right? Um, for China, you know, these companies represent China's modernization and new China. They, they represent uh, for regulators the success of socialism, right? The success of socialism with Chinese characteristics. Uh, and so not hampering those firms and providing those firms as much support as they need to go out into the world and and to make China a truly global power is very important to Beijing. Um, you know, on the other hand, uh, it is socialism with Chinese characteristics, and and Beijing has long struggled with how to kind of fit these giant non-state-owned companies into the socialist market economy. What do you do when you know you're used to dealing with you know the the the, the corporate giants are used to dealing with are state owned, right? So uh, Chinese regulators, this is new. This is new for China. This is new for the Chinese government. They're not really used to contending with uh, big companies that wield so much power, um, specifically companies that wield power 
over areas they want to wield power over, right? Data and communication. So, so yeah, I do think that that's a bit of a struggle for China. I think, uh, I think Washington has a, I would say similar in some respects and very dissimilar in other respects, uh, uh, issue with, with its own tech companies domestically. Yeah, it would be great to dig into that sort of the comparisons, the similarities, and also some of the differences between, you know, how the U.S. is approaching this issue versus China. Because obviously in the U.S. we've seen a lot of debate about how to regulate big technology. You've seen the CEOs of the major tech firms dragged in front of lawmakers for big grillings and these big showpieces as well. But we haven't really seen any kind of firm concrete action when it comes to regulation on big tech. And it does seem to be a little bit of a debate, definitely, certainly a division on how to go forward with that. Conversely, in Europe, you've seen some slightly more concrete action in the form of the GDPR data regulation. Now there's discussion around digital tax and other issues as well. So where do you see the similarities and differences between China and, say, the US and Europe? Well, I think that Actually, going back to what we just talked, there's a lot to unpack there, right? I could probably go on for a couple of hours about that. But but I think that um, this goes back to what we kind of just talked about, which is that the U.S. is hampered in doing this by the fact that we do not have a solid national data policy. We don't have good data regulation in the U.S. yet. So we don't have that foundation, those kind of basic fundamental principles on which we can regulate not only our domestic companies, but foreign incoming companies as well, right? So you see uh, companies, uh, and I think that that us not having that kind of fundamental data policy is one of the reasons that we are we're taking this bizarre scattershot approach to trying to control incoming Chinese apps like TikTok or um, you know, targeting specific Chinese companies because we don't have a universal regulation. By the same token, we don't have a universal regulation that we can aim at our own tech companies. So it's, you know, it's one thing to recognize that there's a problem, but we need the regulatory oomph to be able to do anything about it. We need the underpinning. Europe has the GDPR. Europe has a foundational uh, set of regulations they can work from. So they're already slightly better placed to you know, c- come down on local companies, they have, they have something in writing they can do that with. Uh, and then China is in the process of laying down those laws so that they can move forward with that kind of regulation in the future. So I, I would say the comparison is just a matter of, you know, who's regulated and who hasn't. Yeah, fascinating. And when we look at or, or when you think about how the Chinese authorities might look to apply the regulations, do you have a sense of that? Because the Ant Group issue, when the IPO was pulled, that was that was really shocking. I mean, I just landed in Shanghai, got off a plane, I just checked into my hotel, and the headlines hit, and I was jumping on my laptop ready to write a story for CNBC, and it just sort of seemed out of the blue to some extent. And it does raise the issue, I mean, how aggressive will China be? But also, it doesn't strike me as getting a sense of certainty. If this sort of just appeared to come out of nowhere, is that how they might approach their tech regulation? So uh, somebody else asked me this question recently, and um, I actually went and looked up the earliest time I could find uh, that Chinese regulators started talking about anti-monopoly regulation in the internet space. And it turns out that Xi Jinping, Chinese President Xi Jinping, was was targeting Chinese internet companies and and in speeches, you know, making comments about, uh, you know, monopolistic practices by China's internet companies in 2016. 
So this goes back, this goes all the way to the top and it goes back at least four or five years. This has been an issue. So this is certainly something that's actually been on Chinese regulators' radar for a very long time. If you go back to our principles, I think we're seeing the, you know, here's the the long leash approach, right? Regulators knew it was a problem. They sat back and watched it develop. They gathered information about it. Um, I'm sure that Jack Ma's comments, as um, you know, Jack Ma made some some uh, probably unwise comments to a room full of Chinese officials right before his IPO got canceled about how uh, they shouldn't be regulating internet companies. I'm sure that didn't help, but <laughs> but but I don't think that was the only thing. You know, and there was a lot of speculation that that was what kind of caused these regulations to suddenly appear. I'm sure that was part of the impetus for putting them out quite, you know, when when they were released. But there were lots of other, there was a lot of other stuff going on. Stick with me here on Beyond the Valley. We'll be right back after this short message. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. So interesting comments there on how the U.S. differs on its approach to regulation. Certainly, it feels like there is a general view in the U.S. Yes, tech firms need to be regulated, but there is a disagreement on how to do that. One of the big questions, of course, is whether we see new legislation, whether politicians all agree on that, and then how they might be implemented. One of the biggest challenges, of course, if is balancing regulation with making sure companies stay innovative. And that's top of mind for China and the US, for sure, as we continue to see a bigger technology battle between the two nations play out. Now, just to kind of take stock of where we're at in terms of legislation around technology in the US, in October 2020, a Democratic congressional staff report recommended changes to antitrust laws and enforcement that could result in major changes for big technology companies, such as spinning off or separating parts of their business or making it harder to buy smaller companies. After a 16-month investigation into competitive practices at Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google, the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Antitrust found that the four businesses enjoy monopoly power that needs to be reined in by Congress and enforcers. Republican lawmakers don't necessarily agree with all the changes proposed, however, so we'll be watching that closely. So the US, like China, is looking at antitrust. That's one big area for the European Union, which I now want to move on to. Now, the EU has certainly been one of the more aggressive places in the world for regulation of technology firms. What's notable is that Europe doesn't have technology firms on the scale and size of those seen in the US or China. So what you have seen from Europe is a focus on regulating the mostly American tech firms that operate in the bloc. You may remember a big piece of legislation called the General Data Protection Regulation implemented in 2016 that aimed to regulate how EU citizens' data was being used by companies. But we've seen action in areas from antitrust to tax as well. And so I want to bring in Sylvia Amaro into the conversation. You may remember Sylvia from a previous episode of Beyond the Valley. She's a CNBC reporter based out of our London bureau and is very much focused on everything EU, including tech policy. Sylvia, thanks for joining. No worries. My pleasure, Arjun. 
So, Sylvia, the, the EU has been one of the more aggressive uh, regions when it comes to introducing regulation around technology and enforcing it as well against big tech. So give us an overview of some of the actions the EU has taken and some of the major legislation and rules they use to do that. So you can essentially divide the European Union's concerns and actions in three different areas. First one being market competition, then taxation, and more recently, data privacy. So if I start by looking at market competition, I mean, in this space, we have seen so many different investigations since uh, mainly Vestager, Margrethe Vestager, took um, started her job as competition um, chief back in 2014. Um, and for instance, one of these investigations involved Google back in 2017. And at the time, the European Commission decided to fine Google about 2.4 billion euros um, for promoting its own shopping comparison services rather than allowing similar access to, to rival companies. So essentially there you can see how the EU has been concerned about uh, how powerful some of these companies have become. Then if I look at taxation as well, you probably remember this huge case involving Apple in Ireland back in 2016. At the time, the commission uh, said that uh, uh, Apple had received illegal uh, tax aid from Ireland, where it has its European headquarters. And essentially, the commission asked Ireland to recoup 13 billion euros from Apple. And that was actually the biggest uh, amount of the biggest sum of money that um, we've seen at the EU level involving uh, a tech giant. Now, this case is still uh, in the courts. Uh, the, of course, Apple and Ireland um, have said that uh, they don't agree with the European Commission, so that is still being discussed in the courts. But that shows that the EU is also uh, looking at taxation uh, and how big tech play in this space. And then if I look at data privacy as well, I mean, one of the biggest uh, landmark regulations that we've seen recently uh, was the GDPR, so the General Data Protection Regulation, um, which was introduced in 2018. And essentially, it has given users um, some more control over their data. Yeah, very interesting, Sylvia. So the thing is, you've mentioned their data and data privacy, antitrust, taxation, all big issues here. But EU policy is also evolving. Uh, and there is now talk of a digital services legislation. Run us through what's next in EU policy around technology. So I cannot stress how revolutionary this upcoming legislation is. Um, and essentially, it's going to be divided into acts. So there's the Services Act and the Markets Act. So the first one, the one that looks at services, is very much focused on policing content. So things such as illegal and harmful content, and that's going to be fall, it will fall under this category. And, and then the Markets Act is where the EU is stepping up its uh, oversight of market competition. So essentially there, one of the biggest concerns for big tech is that this legislation might put an end to self-preferencing. So for instance, um, when you go to the App Store and Apple puts at the top uh, its own uh, apps, that is considered as you know self-preferencing um, and that is seen in the European eyes as hindering market competition. 
Um, so this is a very, very important legislation. Different lawyers I spoke with quite recently about it have said that this is going to be even bigger than GDPR. So it's definitely an important one to watch out. And we have seen actually some tech giants already making some comments about this legislation. They're worried that it might influence their business plans and that they might actually be asked to reveal at least parts of their algorithms. So this is definitely an important one to watch out. So Silvia, what's been the motivation then behind the EU being quite aggressive when it comes to regulation? Because there is this line of thought from the EU that the reason Europe hasn't got major tech giants on the scale of, say, an Apple or Facebook or Google, um, like in the US, is because US companies are stifling competition in Europe. So what are the thoughts and reasons behind the EU's push? So it's a combination. <laughs> it's a combination of public opinion um, there's also quite a lot of frustration in Brussels, where the European Commission headquarters are, um, because they essentially feel that a lot of the investigations they've done over the last years have just resulted in lengthy legal battles and little practical changes. And then the last factor here is the, is the fact that these, uh, these uh, laws have not been updated for a very long time. So there's also an opinion among different policymakers in Europe that they need to reform their legislation because at the moment it does not serve a digital economy. And so when you look forward then, I mean, what other areas do you see right now or can we expect the EU to try to introduce regulation around when it comes to technology? So we've talked about the Digital Markets Act and the Digital Services Act, and that's going to be their focus um, at least for the next year. There's also quite a lot of talk about the digital tax, and those talks have been halted after the US administration dropped out of those negotiations at the OECD level. Um, but the EU is now hoping that the new administration in the United States, once Joe Biden arrives at the White House, he will clear what is the US's opinion when it comes to digital tax. And then they're hoping that they will manage to achieve a deal uh, by the summer of 2021. But that is very much dependent on what happens uh, from a U.S. perspective as well. Um, but there's definitely a hope among many European policymakers, including in France, in Spain, in Italy, where countries have already developed their own digital taxes, that there will be at one point an EU-wide one. But let's see whether or not that will be the case. Um, and then the, the final thing I would say here is that the EU has this concept of digital sovereignty. And you hear that from different policymakers. I mean, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, actually mentioned that in, in a recent interview, that the EU's aim ultimately is to be digital sovereign. And that means that it has its own regulation, it has its own tech giants, and that it can protect data privacy for European consumers. So there's quite a lot of, it's in a big, it's a big ambition. Um, but in the short term, I'll definitely say Digital Services Act and Digital Markets Act, and then medium term, digital tax. But more broadly, there is definitely this theme of digital sovereignty in, uh, in the EU. Sylvia, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. I learned so much. So thank you so much for joining. <laughs> My pleasure, Arjun. Thanks for having me. Great insights from Sylvia there. I want to try and tie up this conversation now. China, the US and the EU all agree that big tech needs to be regulated. You can hear from the conversations that antitrust is one major area, something all three are thinking about in a big way. 
But regulation of big tech is more nuanced and requires bigger thinking. Antitrust laws are one way to think about regulating these companies, but there is also a push towards data protection from the US, China and the EU. And in the EU in particular, taxes. A big consideration, particularly for China and the US, is how to regulate while still making sure their respective tech firms are competitive and innovative. This is even more important as the two battle for tech supremacy. And then as we look down the road to new technology like AI or blockchain, how does regulation play out there? That's going to be the next big question. So lots to think about as we wrap up another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. What did you think? Do you have any thoughts on the topic? Let me know. I'm on Twitter at Arjun Karpal. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time. Beyond the Valley.